With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. And after a free agency that saw a lot of one-year deals, which is rare in the NHL. It's a big thing in the NBA and other sports with the caps rising. The NHL had one-year deals, and now the AHL, we saw a lot of, not necessarily AHL contracts, but NHL two-way deals that were giving out two years. Pat, can you remember a summer where it's been such a high volume of two-way, two-year deals? No, but I think it's been a little bit of a trend picking up the last probably a year or so, kind of coming out, I think, the, the pandemic. I think guys are just looking for security. Yeah. First and foremost, like just trying to get locked in. Um, and I'm not sure how much, you know, with the, with the NHL cap remaining flat, like that sort of, in some ways, it reallocates some, some extra money that might have gone otherwise to NHL players. You still have some money, for certain teams anyway, some money sitting around. Like you're not constrained by the cap in the in the HL, mm-hmm. so it's a chance to say, "Hey, we'll throw a little bit of extra money or a little extra term your way," and yeah, and, and give you that security. And, and if you're a player, right? Like if you can avoid having to go through this every year, like most totally. players have to do, absolutely get that security while you can. Well, I was actually this is so funny. You just remind, I was actually going to text you about this, but may as well ask you on the show. What is the specifics with? Okay, so if I send a player down the AHL does the AHL team cover some of their salary in certain situations or am I wrong is that for independently owned franchises is that a thing or no uh that wouldn't be a thing other than for somebody on an AHL contract but so uh, if I have a one-way guy down the AHL NHL team covers everything obviously right yeah yeah. okay that makes sense so yeah no the the two-year deals I actually I had a player I was talking to two days ago. I was surprised to hear them say this from his vantage point, but that he was saying he was surprised that teams were signing players to two year deals because of that are older just because of how effective they are in year two. And I it's an interesting point, but I guess kind of further to what you're saying, you know, most of these guys are in two year deals. You're not signing a guy to a two year deal because they're necessarily just the most talented. These are usually core character guys that are big parts of those dressing rooms. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you're getting a, you know, whether or not maybe his play drops off in that second year, presumably, you know, he's right. still going to be the same personality, same leader, that sort of thing. So um, I think it's just, you're just trying to get a little bit more stability on your roster, right? Like, I think you're trying to avoid the constant, you know, coming and going i mean there's so much turnover in this league right i mean like you know people think of nhl or they think of july 1st as being an nhl day in a lot of ways it's not really that as much as it's an hl day like you see far more turnover far more contracts signed from an hl standpoint than you really do from an nhl because 
you know, most of your NHL teams are, are pretty locked into to long-term deals with players, right? Like, well, like 65% of your rosters turn around pretty much. Yeah. Like how many guys are actually staying put now there's re-signings, but my point being is like, you look at a depth chart for an NHL team. Now it's pretty bare yeah. going into July one. Of, oh yeah. Actually signed. Yeah. A lot of teams, you got one goalie, you got maybe seven forwards, you got four D if you're lucky. And then maybe you sprinkle in some, some AHL signs or is sprinkling some of the, you know, players come in from junior college, but yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, um, your you almost hit the reset button every mm-hmm. year with the AHL, whereas you don't um, you don't have that situation in the NHL. Obviously, like you know, like your top players in the NHL are locked in at six, seven, eight year deals, right? Here, I mean, your top player probably max is two years. I mean, we saw Logan Shaw last year sign a three year AHL deal, which is first time I ever saw that. I mean, that was that was something completely different, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I think we're just in, generally speaking, we're just in a little bit of a transition phase. Um, the pandemic situation, I think kind of shook up some things, shook up some thinking, um, you know, team NHL teams now are so invested in what they're doing with their age operations. There's a lot more, um, you know, hands-on mm-hmm. approach to it rather than, you know, before it used to sort of be like, all right, well, we'll let the AHL uh, team sort of handle that. Um, we're not going to really meddle in that too much. Now there's a lot more, you know, uh, I don't want to say meddling, but there's a lot more uh, interaction, you know, from the NHL front office that you would maybe had five, six, seven, eight years ago. So it's Probably just a different way of thinking. It correlates for sure with the rise in development departments not necessarily just development staff there used to be a time when it was just you had a development guy right and now it's becoming a whole department of its own um let's get to some of the names that are kind of AHL related some are mm-hmm. AHL deals some are NHL but all these signs have a have a you know a relevance to the league and, and kind of the whole minor league system of the NHL as a whole let's start in between the pipes Calder Cup winner reigning MVP Hunter Shepard two-year deal NHL two-way one of those contracts we just alluded to that's a new trend um, no disrespect to Hunter Shepard, but I'm a bit surprised. Um, and maybe you have a, a voice of reason, as you usually do, but I'm just surprised that they would sign him to a two-year contract. He's making you know 350k in the AHL, and that's pretty premier dollar for a goaltender on a two-year deal. So, any reason you think that that's where they're going with him? I mean, I was a little surprised in a different sense that you're a goalie, you're 20, I believe he's 27 now. He's coming off an AHL MVP, playoff playoff MVP um, situation, you know, just, what, two weeks ago. Um, If there's ever a time you're going going to cash in, it would be now. I mean, Washington's pretty much locked in with their goaltenders with Kemper and Lindgren. Is this not not cashing in, though? This is not his version uh, of Cashian. I think he could have gotten that money from somewhere else. Uh, oh, I it's see. It's not a great goalie pool this year, to be quite honest, at this level. Like, if you're looking for a number three depth chart guy, if you're an NHL team and you're looking around, he was, I think, by far the best option, right? So, um, that for me is a little, you know, that he didn't maybe go out and seek his opportunity elsewhere. Now, on the other hand, you know what? If you're in a good situation, you like where you are. You're with a Hershey team that's trying to win every year. Um, and, hey, you know, you got a two-year deal. Maybe you just decide. Uh, stay with what you know. Uh, but I was 
I did think he would be one of the one of the players you'd see go on the move. But I mean, we saw the same thing with Joey DeCord. He also similar situation, a guy mid twenties coming off a great playoff. He opted to stay in Seattle for two years. So a uh, little bit of a, um, you know, I think guys, maybe the mentality is just, you know, you're looking for stability, right? Like, and I don't not, blame them. You know, like you've just been kind of, you know, you think you're like, if you're a Joey Decord, you've bounced now from, from Ottawa and Belleville. Then you bounced down to, to Charlotte last year, Coachella this past season. Uh, you're just looking for maybe just a little bit of kind of, uh, you know, stick with what you know. Um, it's a different approach. Usually guys are a lot more aggressive about uh, bouncing from one team to the next, but, um, you know, this is a, it's a different time, right? Like it's a different era from what, you know, you know, kind of the pre pandemic. I really like, I, I think that changed the mentality of a lot of players, right? There was so much upheaval. There was so much uncertainty that, that I think there, there is a certain appetite just talking with players, to just get a little bit more stability in their their, their on and off ice uh, lives right now. It's um, it's definitely an interesting time to be goalie too because you're seeing a lot of teams really prioritize getting a good number three, mm-hmm. and you're even seeing some teams say, you know what, we might run three goalies. So Carolina's got Anderson, Ranta, and then Kochikov. And what I'm looking at is like, okay, so if we've always thought about the AHL and goalie development, it's like you. Or even Dustin Wolf, right? Like Dustin Wolf, Vladar, Markstrom are there. Yeah. We always were saying they have to deal Vladar. Or you look at Carolina, they have to deal Ranta. But from a development perspective, if this is the trend we're going, couldn't that be such a good thing for a Dustin Wolf if he goes up and starts in a, or a Kochikov and you're in a three goalie system, like a bullpen in baseball with pitchers, mm-hmm. and you kind of get transitioned into it, right? You don't need to play 30 games necessarily. I mean, what if it's 15, right? Yeah. And if an injury happens, you step up. That's an interesting trend we're seeing. I think it's very important. And the next guy I want to ask you about is Alex Dalovich. Um, he signs a, a deal with Pittsburgh. I don't know if it'll be the number two, the number three, whatever, for you know over a million dollars. I'm just curious. He's a guy that a lot of people were were high on. He won the Calder Cup with the Checkers. Had some down years. Uh, sorry, had some strong years in a smaller sample size of Carolina. Goes to Detroit where things go a bit south. Was in Grand Rapids a bit this year. What can you tell us from how his season in the minors this year played out. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously things went, you know, way off track for him with Detroit. Right. So he went to down to Grand Rapids, which was not a very good team. Um, yeah. I think he did what he could with that group. I mean, I think he took them as far as they could go. There's just inherent limitation there. Um, now he goes to Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike Bellucci was his head coach in Charlotte. Uh, who's now the assistant in Pittsburgh. So there's some familiarity there. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh is interesting though. Like if you look at what they're doing, right? Like they have four guys now on one way deals. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's unusual, right? Like you have, they said Magnus Helberg, right? You obviously have Najari and you have the Smith in, you know, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have a Helberg, Nujokovic. Well, both you know, on one ways and whoops. I mean, that is. All right. Now that you mentioned it, let's, let's get, let's just talk about it. Cause this is a bigger topic. I think what Dubas is doing here is what he did in Toronto. And that is, really ensuring the minor league system has a healthy filling of depth options. And it's funny because, as we know this, sorry for another baseball analogy, I actually am not the biggest baseball fan. I love the sport, but I don't follow it. But Mm -hmm. Kyle Dubas is a big baseball guy. And in minor league baseball, depth is paramount. There's a a three-tier system. It's all these things. 
there's almost been a retool in Wilkes-Barre. They went, they were such a depleted roster last year. And now yeah. you look at it and they have some really serious weapons. Will Butcher as well. Like how, how, how much do you think that Wilkes-Barre has needed this sort of facelift over the last couple of years? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, they, you know, what we've talked about this, they were pretty much bare bones, bare bones down to nothing. Right. Like in terms of both prospects and in really frankly, veterans, veterans, um, the main thing I think, because yeah, like, you know, you know it, like, if you're contending, Pat, as the Penguins are going to do, injuries happen. You need guys that can come up and play games for you. That's what they yeah. did with these signings. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, you can either win in the AHL or you can develop. Ideally, you're, you're doing both sure. simultaneously. They were doing neither. Um, you know, <laughs> right. so that's kind of – that's the worst of both worlds. Uh, they didn't have great options. Like you, like you said, if you need to pull somebody up, you know, you know last minute, uh, they didn't have great options beyond, you know, your first – you know, a handful of guys. So like, once you get past those, like you were, you know, you were really kind of hard pressed to fi- find good options in Wilkesbury this past season. So um, at least now, you know, you're insured with your goaltending. Like, you know, you got two legitimate guys there that can fight it out um, in, you know, in, in Wilkes, you know, for playing time. It's a little interesting. Like they have Taylor Gauthier, who's a prospect who I th- Thought showed some promise last year. Um, I'm not quite sure where he's going to fit in. Wheeling. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I would have liked to see him. Uh, I think ideally at the AHL level, you have your veteran guy who can be that number three call-up guy. Mm-hmm. And then you have your prospect that can kind of ease in, you know, as sort of a 1A, 1B situation at the at the AHL level. So I, I wonder if there's maybe more – more still to come. Maybe De Smith gets moved out. I'm not sure what exactly Kyle Dumas uh, might have up his sleeve. I think he's probably still, obviously, still trying to kind of get uh, the lay of the land there too. With, you know, he just settled into that job, you know, a month or so ago. So for sure, um, you know. But as, as you you make a great point with with Toronto, we saw that they always generally prioritized having a, a strong AHL operation, um, and obviously that had been something that had fallen apart considerably in the last several years with uh, Pittsburgh and Wilkes. Well, it's funny, too, because like, I bet you when, when Kyle Dubas kind of outlined his plan of Fenway Sports Group, I, I'm sure um, one of the things he mentioned of, of his plan was to replenish the minor league system because, you know, there's there's having the development all that stuff, but there's also you need to have guys down there for like you've seen it so many years where there's a slew of injuries and you're on your number 10th defenseman your number ninth defenseman happens a lot more often than it should but it does happen you need to have guys that are there and ready and i think dubas has kind of accounted for that especially with the sizable um investments one guy that really caught my attention is strauss man um goaltender signed an ahl deal um was on elc last year do you think this is a potential buy low investment by san jose or, or what's the thinking there yeah, I like this move a lot. Uh, well, he's going to Laval. Laval, sorry, he was on uh, San Jose before. He was Laval. with San Jose. He uh, spent uh, a good chunk of the season in the ECHL with Wichita, with who's their affiliate. Uh, put up great numbers, obviously, in the ECHL. In the AHL, uh, the numbers weren't there. I will say this. he Two things were working against him. A, San Jose was not a very good team. Number two, there was a three-goalie system there with uh, Aaron Dell, a veteran. And A2 McNamee, a uh, the prospect. So, you know, he was kind of trying to find his way in there and, and, and fight for playing time, but uh, there just wasn't much space for him there. So, 
Uh, I think there's a lot of potential. You have a guy that played three years at Michigan, um, you know, put up, you know, really good numbers there. Went and played a year in the Swedish league uh, before he came to, to San Jose last year. So, um, you know, for a, um, for a guy who, um, you know, you're signing to an AHL deal. So how much risk is there, right? Like if it doesn't work, then, you know, um, then you just, you, you cut your losses, it's, you know, a year from now, but Hey, maybe you get him in your system you get your people working with him. Uh, maybe he goes to the Tuaver beer. Dallas ECH affiliate uh, starts there, plays well. You never know during the course of the season. You can probably really in this league never have enough goaltending. It's not an opportunity in Laval. Maybe he runs for it. I mean, stranger things have happened uh, for a guy though who's only 24. You know, has a you know pretty good background uh, up until this point. I was a little surprised, frankly, to see uh, San Jose let him go uh, for you know a team that's uh, you know trying to kind of fill in gaps everywhere. Um, you know, I thought he was a, certainly a, a young player worth keeping around at least for another year to see what you might have. Lucas Carlson, defenseman uh, in the Florida system, that's they're going to be keeping there for one year. Really interesting case. Um, a guy that, you know, was with the Blackhawks in the NHL about two years ago, I believe, um, was pretty good on a, a lower-level team. And then he went back to the A this year, and he was fantastic. One of the best defensemen in the AHL. And now Florida, they've got Ekblad and Montour kind of out of uh, out of things for the first couple of months. I think Lucas Carlson's definitely poised to make the jump next year. Yeah, uh, 20 goals tied uh, uh, for the league lead among defensemen in the regular season with uh, Liam Gawanka um, from the Moose. Um, yeah, guys, certainly that uh, at this level, I think certainly rounded off this game really nicely. Um, and I think we all know that that's, you know, if, if you're looking at the Florida Panthers, uh, you got Montour and you got Ekblad that are probably not going to play to start the season. So there's definitely opportunity there for him to make the team out of training camp um, and, and go from there, right? Like, you know, a lot of players, all they need is that opportunity. All they need is their foot in the door. Um, you know, he's a player who really, his game came together really nicely uh, this past year. Uh, really kind of showed a, you know, whole other side of his offensive game that really never really had known was there uh, exactly. So, um, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he's played, what, 40 games uh, a couple years ago for Florida. So, like, there is some, um, NHL experience there. So I think, I think for him, like generally you would see a player want to take a big year and go elsewhere and, and maybe try to break in somewhere else. But I think for him, uh, given what's going on with the Panthers blue line right now, I think it's a, it's a pretty smart move on his part. Well, I think for Carlson too, it's like not to throw comparisons, but like remember Gustav Forsling, that's another yeah. example of a guy where Florida found someone that was always kind of looked at as this fringe kind of tween guy, which Carlson is right now viewed as went down to Charlotte as Carlson did and had just a great year. And there's always these guys, Pat, I find we talk about where it's like, yeah, they could make the NHL, but you know, there's this guy ahead of them or whatever situationally. And, you know, good on Florida for kind of recognizing what they have and not kind of in a situation where they realize what they had in past tense when it gets away from them. So yeah, I'm optimistic of what Carlson could bring in that capacity. Um, moving on another guy that, um, caught my attention is Connor Carrick, friend of the show, returning back to Coachella. So he was with them. Oh, sorry, not Coachella. Pardon me. Returning back to the Seattle organization. He was with them two years ago with Charlotte, um, where Dan Biles was his assistant. Went to Province this past year, had a very strong season, and now he's coming back and makes a lot of sense for what Coachella Valley is trying to do. I would say. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, for him, you know, another good year in, in the HL in Providence. Um, you know, now he converts it. Uh, goes back to an operation where, you know, he's familiar. Um, Dan Biosmo was his head or his assistant coach in Charlotte two years ago when they were in that split deal with, with Florida. Uh, now Biosmo is obviously the coach in Coachella Valley. So uh, there's a good sense of comfort and familiarity there. Um, you're going back to a front office that knows you. Um, so he can make himself, uh, especially with a, a uh, Coachella roster now that lost Brogan Rafferty, for example, um, and might lose you know a few more uh, guys. Uh, you can put yourself in a position to maybe be that first recall option, you know, mm-hmm. when, if and when Seattle needs a defenseman, which is you know it's a fair bet that at some point during the course of the year they'll need to put a call in. Um, you can be there as a number one, and uh, you know really you know get yourself, you know, five, 10 games, at least probably up in Seattle. And then again, like a lot, like a Carlson, you, you, you get that opportunity to see, see where it goes. But yeah, I think there's a lot to be said again, like kind of back to our earlier theme, going to what, you know, um, you know sticking with, a, you know, uh, a sense of, uh, you know, comfort and, and, and people who know, you know, your game and, and kind of know what you're all about. I know we talked about Pittsburgh a couple of months ago, but I want to circle back on Will Butcher in particular. Yeah. It's an interesting case because Will Butcher is a guy where I think, you know, last season he had a great year with Texas, but they were a great team, right? So mm-hmm. it's not just him. I think credits do there. But it's funny, you know, we talk about Ty Smith, how one of you seen a situation where a top rookie was so good and then went down to the A. Will Butcher is a very similar path. And I wonder if Pittsburgh kind of, sees Will Butcher as a guy where if all goes well and they can develop in Wilkes-Barre, he could be a really reliable call-up option and then maybe give them some offense in that third pairing. Yeah, it's, it's it's not the it's not the worst play if you're Will Butcher, right? Like, go there. Um, yeah. New management coming in. Kyle, you know, I don't see Kyle Dewis coming in there. Um, you know, so he's a guy that values skill, which Will Butcher obviously brings. And, um, yeah, I think, it, you know, you know, 100%, you know, sure. I, I'm sure there's no, no no promises or anything being made. But um, if you're a player that's, you know, is looking for, you know, obviously Dallas, things are pretty, you know, most of those jobs are spoken for. So yeah. um, this is a, an opportunity to go with a team where there's obviously going to be some transition. Um, and you have a chance now to kind of get in on the ground floor with that and, and get your foot in there and, at worst, you go to Wilkes, and again, like a Carrick, you'll be if you're in Wilkes, you'll be a easy, you know, first, second recall option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's uh, for Will Butcher. You know, obviously, there's you know, there's a lot of experience there already, and um, you know, I, I don't think it would take you know, I, some players. You know, when they when they come back to the HL, you know, they're staying there for the. I think for him. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think he's a guy that can get back to the NHL and stick once again. And totally, um, I think this is it's a smart move by him. Um, you know, just you know, go to a team where if nothing else, you have a good chance now to, to, to win some games. And I think that obviously is always a, a situation where um, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. And so you know, he's obviously had a you know he had a difficult last couple of years NHL wise, so he had to kind of circle back, go back to the HL, and kind of hit the reset button. But um, you know, I think for him, like he's certainly a guy that's uh, just just take one break for him to get back, and then I think he should be good to go. Noel Hoffenmeyer had a really strong full um, season with the Toronto Marlies All Star nomination. 
a fast riser in Toronto system. They didn't retain him. Edmonton sized him to an ELC. What's his career arc from this point, Pat? He's an interesting one. Like he's only 24, right? Like he had, you know, obviously showed a, a ton of skill, shot a lot of promise. I was a little surprised to see Toronto not keep him. Um, especially when you saw that, that they brought in some other players, right? Like, so it's not like um, everything was spoken for. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is a, one of the effects of Dubas not being there anymore. And that kind of that mentality is shifting. I'm not entirely sure. I'm still trying to figure out exactly where the Leafs and the Marlies are going with everything. But, um, uh, but let me ask you this, Pat. Is it one of those classic cases of like Hoffman Meyer is not going to be on an AHL deal, right? You have to give a contract slot for him. Is it one of those things where, you know, Tree and, and Co. and Toronto kind of overvalued, not overvalued, sorry, it was higher importance to get to replace the guys they lost, like Hollowell and those guys at angel depth options than giving Hoffenmeyer some leash? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I think Hoffenmeyer, you could make an argument, is at least something of that NHL depth op, you know, option, right? I mean, he's yeah. a guy who's, he showed promise. I think, obviously, Edmonton thought he's worth something, you know, worth giving an NHL contract. Maybe to. he picked Edmonton over it's certainly possible yeah. um you know maybe you look at things and you think all right my path is blocked here i don't know um he's an interesting player like like he's he's a guy that that showed some promise he was originally drafted by arizona so like you know he didn't sign there he went to kind of went to like that that classic marley's education yes. where you start off you know with the growlers you work your way up to the echl you you know, like that, that th- true three-tier system. Then you work your way into the Toronto, the Marley's lineup. Then you, you, you obviously you take on more responsibility. So like, um, you know, he's maybe one of the earlier or I don't say earliest, but he's one of the more early sort of products of that system, right? Like Mason totally. Marchment was obviously one of the better examples. Uh, but, you know, kind of as a young defenseman coming through there, you know, like, it's a chance now. Um, kind of see, you know, kind of put that model to the test. You know, like there's been a lot of talk about it the last several years. Um, it's an interesting model. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of merit to it. But now this is, you know, this is we're going to really see. All right, you know, is this going to pan out? Like, is there is this a future NHL player, or is yeah, the ceiling maybe just right? Are you are you a Marchman or are you a Christians Rubens? Right, like, and there's a, such a fine line. Yeah, um, right. I like Hoffenmeyer. I think uh, I was impressed that he, he played on the right side out of necessity a couple times, and that's not easy to do, especially with someone that fits his profile as a sure. offensive defenseman that puts up points. It can be maybe hard for guys typically like that to to shift over when it's especially in the D zone carrying the puck out. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of upside there. You go from being a top tier ECHL defenseman one year, then the A, it's like that's a pretty high jump within a two year span. So, it's a lot of upside there. Matt Hollowell. Uh, leaving the Toronto organization, going to Hartford. What do you think about the fit there? Um, yeah, I think obviously for him, his path has blocked. Any of that injury last year, that, that I think kind of set him back. Yeah. I think this is a lot of this is the product of you're a player, right? Like you can't, you you were part of the Dubas regime. Like Dubas and his people signed you. Mm-hmm. Now you see a whole new crew come in. You're not their guy. Right. And I think a lot of players, yeah, they kind of read the writing on the wall that uh, you don't want to be the player that's kind of caught from the previous regime, you know, and, and be 
coming into this new regime that they're going to have their own people. They're going to be loyal to their own players and have their own ideas. Um, so I think for him, it's a smart play as well. He had, uh, uh, I don't see a, much of an opportunity with the Rangers, though. Um, so I think this for him is uh, pretty much going to be a Hartford situation. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe you get a call up here or there. But, um, yeah, I, I think you see that a lot, right? Like where, like, you know, this – so much of this at this level is based on like having people in your corner. Mm-hmm. And if you're a player so true. and you don't have a Dubas now in your corner, you don't have one of Dubas's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, other people, you, you can definitely kind of get lost in the shuffle, especially as the new regime starts to bring their own people in. Yeah. And Hartford's building something now. Yeah. Dating back to the deadline when they really replenished the cupboards. You're seeing it now, even with the offseason, Alex Belzeal, like all these kind of signings where you can tell they're really prioritizing making sure Hartford is good and healthy. Um, One more defense we'll get to. Max Lejoie, um, year after year, top pairing defenseman for Chicago, was a really big piece on the Calder Cup run two years ago. Still did quite well this year, uh, all-star nominee for Chicago, which had its struggles. Interesting addition for Toronto, I would say. Yeah, I certainly a guy that can come in and be a top number one guy. Yeah. you know, run your pretty much run your whole blue line. Um, you know, he didn't really get it much of a shot in, in Carolina, obviously. And that's obviously it's a tough lineup to break into. Um, yeah. I mean, not that the least is going to be an easy lineup. To no, break but that's into a hard well. decor, Carolina. Yeah. To, to so, crack. um, I think for him, like, he's a guy that you know, you're in that mid 20s range now, so like, you hear the clock ticking and you, you know, okay, well, it's not working out with Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously, too, with Chicago situation, you know, the Chicago-Carolina breakup, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't want to stay in the Carolina because then you have no control over where you might end up. So, totally, yeah, I think for him, it's, uh, you know, a chance to, to you know, we know the, the Leafs obviously pay well. Um, uh, that's no small consideration if you're a player trying to, you know. Both teams are in the same in. city. Both teams are in the same city. That's always a nice advantage, right? Like, if you're called up, it's no disruption to your to your personal life, your off-place life, uh, especially as guys get a little bit older, then you start getting, you know, your, your yeah. spouse, significant other, you get kids. I mean, I don't it's important. Kids or anything, but yeah, just, yeah, having that kind of like normalcy in your life. I mean, we both remember when, when the Jets had their situation, you know, or their affiliate with uh, St. John's, right? Totally. Like how disruptive it was for players, you know, Going back even when you're getting called up, like it's great you're getting called up, but like now you're, you know, you know, three time zones away and two yeah. and a half time zones away and, um, you know, you're, you're kind of your whole off ice of life is, is just kind of in a state of suspension. So I think for him, yeah, go, go to Toronto, make money. Um, maybe again, you get your, your call-ups here and there and, um, nothing at worst case, you're, uh, living in the same city and you have a pretty good, you know, off ice situation. Moving on to the forwards, Elias Anderson, yep. someone that I think many have forgotten about, you know, he's a top pick in the 2017 draft. Things didn't pan out with the Rangers as much. Went overseas. Comes back to the LA organization. Got a cup of coffee. A couple, actually, in the NHL. Um, but was a top-tier player with Ontario this year. And now he's going to be paid handsomely. I believe it's north of $400,000 in the AHL. Um, something like that to be a, a number one center for Laval going forward. Yeah, and interesting because um, he was drafted by the regime, you know, Jeff Warden, who is now in Montreal. Oh, true. So, uh, That's a good point. So the Rangers GM back then. So, yeah, you're you're kind of in a in an environment where uh, they know you, you know them. Um, they obviously, 
they had to move you to LA a couple of years ago. When they Pat, were that's the really interesting because yeah. sorry, just sort of cut you off. Um, but that's really interesting because you don't usually see when there's a messy breakup like that was years later, the guy brings him back. That's yeah. a pretty interesting situation there. Wow. Sorry. Continue. Maybe it wasn't as messy on the part of uh, Gordon personal. Yeah, of course. And For sure. It was more a matter of like, Hey, you know what? We just need to yeah, yeah. kind of, go our separate ways for right now and you know no hard feelings uh yeah uh, you know for lace anderson you know he's 24 now but obviously a seventh overall pick like he's shown promise at the hl level he got hurt last year so that really played only 24 mm-hmm. games last year that really set him back i think especially you know like again you're coming out of the pandemic that was a messed up time and then you know last year you finally think you're okay you're gonna get your uh, you're getting back on track. You're going to get a ton of, ton of playing time. Then you're hurt, mm-hmm. more, you know, a good chunk of the year. So this year he bounced back really nicely. Uh, 31 goal season for Ontario worked a lot with Marco Stern, the head coach there. So a guy that, you know, played in the NHL for almost you know, what, 15 plus years. So uh, I'll be interested to see where he can go. Like, I mean, Montreal, there is a, you know, there is a potential for, for opportunity there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things in the state of Fluxer, I think it's fair to say. So um, I think it's it's a smart move by him. Um, go with totally. people who know you. And um, and this might be his really his last real shot, though. Right? For sure. You're, you're at that 24-25 range. The clock, you know, the clock is ticking for him as well. And um, he needs a big year here. And he needs, I think, frankly, to, to really start to break in. I agree. All right, Matthew Phillips. Let's let's get to this one. Any surprise that he's not with the Flames still? No, no. I think. Any that surprise that his assistant coach for Washington is someone named Mitch Love? Uh, not surprised about that either. And with that, Matthew Phillips, the Washington Capital. I love the move for so many reasons, and I love the move because. It speaks to two things. One, you're giving the, the player a shot. You have someone there vouching for him in love. Um, a lot of things look like the stars line. But if they don't, they have no problem sending him to Hershey and having him be the guy there. Or if you lose him off waivers. But still, like if Matthew Phillips doesn't pan out, I don't see another team plucking him off waivers. I think he'll just get through. And I think yeah. for Washington, it's a win-win. They either get a top nine or middle six, what have you, um, piece. Or they give their minor league affiliate, who they care a lot about, a top end score. Yeah, uh, I, I'm interested to see him, like like Spencer Carberry, a real progressive type of coach. Yeah. Also, like you know, Mitch Love and Carberry are, are you know kind of real. Um, they're a lot of the same mind, right? Like it's a different generation now of coaching coming up, and um, yeah, I mean we we all know Phillips never really got much of a crack in Calgary I think that's fair to say like you know just put up numbers constantly and yet you know what he got a he got a brief call up this year like barely got anything resembling a real shot so I think for him the writing was on the wall I mean even the fact you're you're a Calgary native like obviously you want to play for the hometown team but at some point you know it's pretty obvious that yeah you got to go somewhere else and I think for him this is a great opportunity this is a team obviously Washington that um, sorry, prioritizes skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, worst case for him, you're on a one way. So you're getting your money either way. Totally. You're getting your 775. Uh, goes a long way in Hershey. Um, 
And uh, if, uh, if you end up back in the HL, hey, you're playing for a team that just won the Calder Cup and now is reloaded and, and may well be a, a Calder Cup contender again this year. Absolutely. And I think it's, for what you said about Carberry and Love there, I'm just curious to see, because, I, I mean, if you were to ask me now what I think about Phillips' trajectory sheepish I, I don't know how i don't i just it's hard for me to see where he's gonna slot and what he's gonna do um i think my biggest concern maybe be like the power i don't know if he has the raw speed to separate himself from other people but i also think that as you said it so many times he needs a chance and yeah. it, it's it'll be it'll be the best tailor situation that he's going somewhere where the two coaches aren't going to try to make him something that he's not and yeah. i think that's really the ultimate win there um one more person, speaking of the Hershey Bears, um, this is a now former Hershey Bear, Mason Morelli. One of the coolest stories you'll you'll find. Um, one of the best, if you really like true stories um, in hockey. An undrafted player worked his way up from the coast, and it wasn't it wasn't just a, a you know a couple games. He was there for a bit of time, and then he comes to the AHL, and year after year he becomes this sort of unheralded yet so important four checker such an important four checker um in Hershey and as you saw in the playoffs this year he was a massive massive piece for them and now he's a two-year deal two-way contract with the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights yeah you know good for him and he was a force this year in the playoffs for, for Hershey I mean you know guy that was he's kind of like the fourth line guy but then like you would shift up to the first line um you know, you kind of really do a little bit of everything, kind of a jack of all trades for that Hershey team. Uh, ended up having a big, big playoff, like I said. Um, you know, and you know, good for him at, at his age, especially like those, you know, 27 years old, those contracts to get your first one, that's not easy to do. Um, you know, he certainly uh, he cashed in. Uh, he's going to Vegas again. Whether you play, uh, you know, obviously, I think he'll be with Henderson. But uh, if you go up to Vegas, you're in the same market, same city. So uh, it's an easy transition that way. Um, you got your two-year security. That's good. Um, you it's know, a big for, fish for signing for Vegas, too. Yeah. Right? You know, for, for a guy like you've been on this kind of this this like this hamster wheel for the last five years, mm -hmm. just constantly fighting for contract one year after the next, after the next. Uh, now you finally got some security, right? Like you can finally like, you know, get off that rat race of like every year fighting for a new contract right so like um yeah yeah great for him i mean a really smart player you know good guy in the dressing room kind of a, ticks all the boxes you'd want for uh you know for assigning you know certain guy i think you know with henderson that uh, they need some help uh he'll come in there and i think he'll uh make a huge difference there the perfect veteran to put in your room you have a guy that is called a cup champion has that experience, played a big role for it, and of course, as we chronicled, was a part of a Calder Cup championship team that had a very, um, you know, tough and adversity-filled road there. And then he also, as we said, has a guy that was in the trenches. He rode the bus in the ECHL, so he can kind of relate to the top-tier guys, the lower-tier guys, and that's important. And it's no wonder that Henderson, or sorry, Vegas by association, is making that investment. So it's uh, one of those unheralded yet extremely important moves that will for sure help Vegas going forward. Um, but for today's episode, I think that's where we're going to cap it here. If we went through every signing, we'd be here till Patrick's blue in the face. Um, though I would love to see that. But anyways, thank you very much. We uh, are hoping to have a little guest or two in the next coming weeks. So we'll have more details on that soon. But uh, yeah, until, until next week, guys, we'll sign off here. And thanks for listening.